Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, member Shayna Punham 2 shares her path as a big four tax consultant to leaving the workforce for an extended period of time to help raise her two kids, how she broke back in, and advice she'd give to her younger self. Enjoy. Shayna Punham 2, thank you so much for joining the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So it'd be great if you could just give a quick bio to the listeners. Sure. So I started out doing my undergraduate degree in accounting, MBA finance. I began first with a big four accounting firm on their tax staff and gained my CPA there with a certain number of years of experience and then kind of pivoted towards my ultimate go goal, which was the finance as a long-term career. And I worked in loan syndications, which is similar to leveraged loaning, loans, Levfin. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I moved into debt capital markets, but on the investment grade side is loan syndications and uh, took some time off to raised my family, returned with a return-to-work internship in a credit rating agency, and moved on to investment banking, where I am currently. Great. So how long was your time off there to raise your family? Uh, 15 years. There you go. So it's sort of really interesting because we, um, we haven't had a guest on. We've had now several um, female guests, but we haven't had a guest on that has taken the break and then come back. So I'd love to jump into that later but let's start further further back all the way in undergrad (laughs) so you're you're deciding to major in accounting was you know was business and finance kind of always on the radar for you or something that you kind of grew into uh, you know sophomore year you're like oh tell me how you kind of came to think okay I'm going to do accounting well Since high school, I was very interested in finance and knew that that was my ultimate goal and that I wanted to get an MBA in finance. I already kind of had it mapped out that I would do the MBA route, Mm -hmm. and I had a really good relationship with the deans at my school because I was in a scholarship program, and I was actually advised that accounting would be the perfect foundation for finance and accounting was really part of the plan is as being a two-step plan so uh it really is an excellent 
education that's very important because you need to understand financial statements and accounting, even basic accounting entries, just broad base, mm-hmm. so that when you're reviewing financial statements as a financial analyst or investment banker, it makes sense to you, you know, how to enter financials into a model. Mm-hmm. So uh, really was a great option for me. And as I was researching careers in accounting when I was graduating, I discovered that taxation was just a more interesting entry-level option for me than auditing. There's a lot more research and analysis. There are legal aspects to it that I was working with. Um, mm-hmm. In addition, people who already were attorneys and had master's degrees, and it just I felt like it was a higher-level kind of entry-level yeah, for sure. So did you first, did you do a couple of years there and then went back and got your MBA or how did that work? Or did you so go straight through? I did, I did a few years at a big four accounting firm, mm-hmm. which was really fantastic training grounds. Just the professionalism and organization skills that you learn there yep. are great. And I started going back to school at night and really didn't have that much coursework left. So I decided to leave go full-time, got my finance MBA, but I had passed my CPA exam, yet not accrued the full experience requirement. Mm -hmm. So I actually returned to a different big four accounting firm just for a few more years to round out the experience requirement because I really felt that that credential was important to having sort of crossed the T's on accounting and said, you know, I really was an accountant and a CPA, so... Tell me, what was there any actual reason you didn't go back to the same firm as pre-MBA as post-MBA, or was it just you felt like the the, the other big four um, firm that you ended up at wooed you better or some, of some sort? Or how did it, how did it work? I guess when you were because you went, you said you did kind of did the first year of your MBA kind of at night, and then you decided, hey, I'm just going to go full time, and you finished the second year kind of full time. Was that the? So I think yes, that way. I finished. I finished. Well, it was, I didn't need two full years because. I went to the same school for undergraduate and an MBA, and back then they had kind of a five-year program. Mm -hmm. I had not completed every single course I needed to do it only five years, so it was like five years plus a semester or summer Mm -hmm. semester, let's say. So I did one term, and it was really extreme with the hours for work plus trying to do the MBA. So uh, I left, and when I was... um, you know, graduating with the MBA, looking at different options, I just felt the need to, and I did have a very good opportunity, and I worked really for my dream accounting firm, so to speak, the, mm-hmm. the best of the best. That's great. And, um, yeah. So tell me a little yeah. bit about, um, so you were kind of going back, you got your CPA, your, you know, senior tax consultant at that point, and you're doing interesting work. Um, you Do you feel like, what was it like back then in terms of just the, the culture? The, was it really collegial? Were you, did you feel like you, were, you fit in there? <laughs> back in the day, it's kind of funny. <laughs> uh, I, I refer to my own experiences it, back in the day, too. <laughs> Don't feel bad. I would, I would kind of, I would liken it somewhat to IB. Maybe we weren't working 100 hours a week, but we were definitely putting in probably 70 to 80 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And during tax season, you may be at work six weeks straight, literally, yeah. without 
a breather. So it was very collegial. Um, the junior people all helped each other, but we also had very good exposure to senior managers and partners. You were always involved in every meeting. So uh, really top-level experience, but I always knew my ultimate goal was not to stay in accounting and become a tax partner. I really wanted finance from day one, and as it was by year you know, five as an accountant, I was chomping at the bit to just accrue the experience requirement I needed as a tax professional. It's a little different than as an auditor, mm-hmm. so that's why it took such an extremely long time. But um, to get the CPA, that credential has carried me, kind of like people get a CFA. The CPA has carried me as a credential all these years. People look to that as an accomplishment. So I'm glad that I, I pushed myself to do that. So you were coming out of your MBA. So once you kind of went full time, tell me a little bit about the recruiting there. For was it was it a time where you didn't have um, much trouble because you had that that pre MBA experience in in the tax, and it was it was more like a just show up and the interviews weren't tough, or was it something where you had to prep and it was nerve wracking? I know it's a while ago, but just it, just to give the listeners a little bit of a taste of that. Sure, um, I would say that it was much less stringent than it is now. A mm-hmm. process uh, coming out of undergraduate undergraduate, mm-hmm. it was extremely easy. You dropped your resume in a box and a couple of weeks later you had a bunch of sheets up on a wall of who wanted to interview you. And I <laughs> I had 11 companies interested in interviewing me and by company nine I was exhausted. I said, that's enough. <laughs> Fair. Coming out of finishing the MBA, I really didn't push as much uh, with finance recruiting because I knew that I needed to go back for the additional years to get the CPA. So Mm -hmm. I basically just applied directly to the firm that I was most interested in, interviewed, and was hired. It really was not a major effort. Got it. Okay, fair enough. So you're working there, you get the CPA, and then what's kind of, you said you're chomping at the bit. How do you kind of approach this search is there do you feel like there's a big barrier to cpas back then jumping to finance or was it something that was pretty common there there surely was through networking i began to have some kind of informal to somewhat formal interviews at the larger banks and i did meet with a lot of resistance i surely met up with young professionals who looked at me and said why do you want to switch now you have an accounting background, and I thought, if a career is potentially 30 to 40 years, mm-hmm. I five years should not li- spent in one area should not limit me going forward. So to me, I just feel that tenacity is what ends up paying off. Um, so how I are you did- doing this networking? Were you um, just using alumni networks? Were you, how did you go about it? Like just creating that list of people to, to get in touch with friends, friends and friends, friends and family. I had yeah. some family members that were, one was in HR at one of the large banks and she called on her senior person and they kind of got me in there. Um, I, I found fortunately that once I get in the door, if I can get a phone call with someone, mm-hmm. I tend to be invited back, which is just fortunate. So uh, there were a couple of banks that I started to speak to, and actually then you would just 
you could go to the school and they had listings. Uh, I went back to NYU, let's say. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I went back to, I went to NYU. So mm-hmm. uh, I went and looked up the job listings and there was a position posted that was great for exactly what I was interested in doing, which was debt capital markets, which seemed like a, a super option for me. So uh, I was interviewed, and many of the people actually that worked there had also attended the same university. So mm-hmm. I think that was helpful. Great. And so and in those in those interviews, I assume they weren't giving you a ton of technical accounting questions, were they? <laughs> was it mostly about fit, or was it mostly just, you know, why, you know, why... Were you in tax for so long? What was the, what were the questions? Did they do you remember any of them? Like specifically, what they kind of harped on? I don't remember there being a tremendous amount of technical yeah. questions. It was it was probably more fit and just being comfortable with what I had done there, and I had done a certain amount of modeling, even though they were tax models. Mm-hmm. You're developing these models that. Um, calculate complex uh, yeah. t- through the tax laws and such. They're built around the tax laws. So yep. I think that that level of analysis was appreciated and just the finance MBA was highly respected in the CPA. Mm-hmm. Uh, there just was an incredible connection with all the people there. There was a real comfort level. Okay. Once again, I was the only woman I think that even interviewed and I did not interview with a single female it was all male and it was great i never had never had an issue with that okay it was really a good fit and a fantastic experience and i was i was thrilled to be offered the position so did you end up having to take a pay cut or was it a pay bump from there if you remember i think that it was approximately lateral to okay. start but yep. in, in the long run it definitely was a jump. superior pay scale and for sure, for sure. So, okay, so you break into debt capital markets. You're at a good bank doing that type of work. Tell me, what was that? What, what was that like? Because you were there for a while. I was there for seven years. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely fabulous. It was transaction oriented, although for loan syndications on the investment grade side, everything is certainly not based on a company undertaking a transaction. Very frequently, this is basic financing, sometimes it's backstop credit facilities, sometimes just simple working capital facilities, but they're extremely large, so one bank will not lend alone. They hire my bank as lead agent, and we pull the syndicate together. We have to price it correctly, get it through credit committee, and we have to sell it. So there's a lot of similarity to investment banking in the process Mm -hmm. of we didn't really model companies from scratch the way you start with the financial statements. We were looking more at leverage ratios and coverage ratios and the like. So you're doing a lot of... Uh, Where are you getting the projections from for that? Like, are you just, are you given to them by management and you just haircut it? From the company themselves mm-hmm. or sometimes an investment banker who may be working on the transaction and uh, they'll send us the projections and we work in... We create our own model off of that. Got it. That would show, you know, the the cash flows and such to to pay off the debt and such. Make sure that they could pay it back. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. That's that's pretty important in that you're not too close to your covenant levels. Um, 
It was really a fabulous job because it was a smaller shop, although mm-hmm. we were very highly ranked in the league tables mm-hmm. and competing with the, the largest banks. It was a smaller uh, shop overall, and everything from start to finish was on our plate. We didn't have a separate group that was negotiating the credit agreements or doing the pitches versus working on the actual transaction or calculating the fees. It yeah. was all on me. I even used to plan the bank meetings and pick the food and worry about the audiovisual <laughs> and pray that everything You didn't even worked. have an admin back then. <laughs> they just uh, threw uh, it all on you. We had secretaries. Uh, we had uh, some analysts, so you would have someone to assist you. But when you're at the associate level, it's kind of an interesting thing. You're everything from secretary to managing director when True. you're an associate. And you True. better know how to fix that copy machine at 2 o'clock in the morning because there's no <laughs> one else to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and the bank books might be needed the next morning. So So do you feel like your experience prior, had you been managing people at all um, prior at the, the Big Four, once you were kind of senior post-MBA? You had a I team? had not okay. managed people previously, and it's something that I loved and still love mentoring and training students who are just out of undergraduate usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's definitely something that, I fell right into naturally and absolutely love. So tell so. me about that. Is it, I guess, you were you were kind of an associate. Was the expectation that you would become a vice president there? Or how does it, what was the track there? Or was there a track to partner or to, to there's director? A, there's a track to managing director. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think, fairly similar to IB where there are people coming as analysts you can most certainly stay on and become an associate. There's not sort of a demand to return for an, a master's degree. Potentially there is now, but yep. then there really wasn't that um, demand, so to speak. But uh, you just follow up to associate, VP, and MD. Got it. And so was that, that in the cards for you? Did you think, hey, I'm going to make it all the way up to MD one day? Or that was I the did. Goal? I really, I really absolutely did think that and wanted to do that and felt really supported by the group there. They they mentored me as well, and they kind of pulled me along. Mm-hmm. It was not an aggressive environment. It was a busy environment and an intensive environment. I worked with, honestly, people that were brilliant. I still think they're brilliant. I'm still in touch with most of them. Um, but, you know, I... I Waited a very long time to start my family, and when I did, there just wasn't the same kind of flexibility then as there is now for uh, new moms. So and, tell me a little bit about that. Like, so what what was it like then when you? I assume you were you married when you kind of joined, or did you get married then? And then, um, yeah, did children come? I started soon? married, which was probably a fortunate thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I started there, and I I was already married, and I worked for uh, six years before I had my first child. Mm -hmm. Uh, Took a leave, came back for a year, and then chose to stay home. It was difficult. So first first off, how many, do you have one, how many children do you have now? I have two. You have two. So I have three years, three children, four, two, and 10 months, and I'm drowning. So I can't imagine with a real job like this where you have to go in the office um, so you had. I used to go in on two hours of sleep for weeks oh on a, my gosh. weeks on end. So, you know, I had a new baby, and new babies wake up in the middle of the night. They need to eat. 
How long was your leave um, on the with your first baby? Because you went back, you said for a year. How long did you take? My it? leave was actually five months because mm-hmm. I put together all of the possible vacation and time off I could between Good. one year and the next. And I actually left a few weeks before I was due. I have friends who pushed it to the very last minute and had all kinds of emergencies. And I just said, I, I'm exhausted three hours a day of traveling. It was yeah. a lot going into Manhattan. Yeah. So. I okay. So you're, left. so you left a couple weeks early. You're, you have five months, you're back. You, you do it for a year. And then what kind of was the, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. Was it just, you know, um, the stuff at home, just to trying to balance everything. What was the thought process of, hey, I'm going to take some time and just, you know, be with the kids financial everything That's i mean exactly I know it. I know you know you never thing. expect to stay home a significant amount of time it was a combination of exhaustion and just hopefulness that somehow you're just taking a short period off and you'll be back um they're just unfortunately there wasn't any sort of flexibility where they could allow me to work part-time people weren't really bringing home laptops and able to plug in on a day-to-day basis like that so mm-hmm. Do you think you would have done that? I'm very hopeful it's different now. Do you think you would have done that? Like, would you have been, would you have been happy to be part-time? Do you think you would have preferred that? I begged. I I would have been thrilled. I never wanted to leave. (laughs) I know it sounds awful. It's not because I don't love my children and being at home, but I truly miss working. I absolutely love my career. That's why I put off. Yeah, I don't know how, I don't, I don't know how um, stay-at-home dads or moms do it. Um, because I, if over the weekend I am exhausted with my kids and I, I, and just the mental stimulation, like it's a different type of, um, mental stimulation. It's like trying to figure out, okay, how am I going (laughs) to, how am I going to juggle this? But it's like, you really miss the work aspect too. And the, the interaction with, with adults. Right. Um, I guess you have that with play dates and all that, but still it's enormously. No, it's, it's don't even go there. It is apples to oranges. Yeah completely different. I miss it tremendously. Although in the years I was off as my children uh, began to be in school and such, I got extremely involved in various volunteer works. I was on board of trustees. I What was the gap know, between your first and second child? Four years. Four years. Okay. Like me and my sister. So you had, <laughs> you were changing diapers for a long time then. Okay, so... <laughs> um, I guess I was changing diapers for a while. You know, you, you try to do other things in between yeah. and be as active as possible and keep up your skills as much as possible. But it, it was kind of a, a tough thing. It was... But you got you Your got identity is very much as a professional, I think, and not any less as a woman than a man feeling like this is what I do and who I am. So mm-hmm. it was hard. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. I, um, so do you feel like... As your children got older, you became more involved with like the non, like you said, giving back and with their schooling. And um, were you involved kind of in the community that way, or did you um, did you ever start looking back at potentially going going coming back earlier, or was it just one of those things that just, you didn't want to commit those hours again? Uh, I think still there wasn't really the mentality of not just flexibility of mm-hmm. allowing people to return. I I was working practically full-time as a volunteer on boards and in committees and such between their schools and a local charity I was involved with. So I was 
very involved and you're using a lot of your skills. I was doing budgeting sometimes and, and mm-hmm. the like. Um, but I, I always hoped that somehow I would find my way back. And it's really in, in recent years that large financial services firms have, have realized this enormous resource of talent mm-hmm. that is you know, highly experienced that they just let they just let us go, kind of, and they're starting to do these returnships, return to work internships. It's very popular in Manhattan, and uh, can you tell me about exactly those? Because I know very little about them. Can you tell me like how it works and what's the what's the idea? Is it it's just like an internship for people who've been out of work for a while, or and how does that work? Like who's that who's is doing? Exactly what it but is. but who who's doing so, the like? Where do people find out about this stuff? Because where should they look, or what should they look up? They can look up, I'm trying to remember the name of the website that is specifically, uh, it's called Apres, A-P-R-E-S, like in mm-hmm. French, Apres.com. Mm-hmm. It is for uh, like a second act for women. They have the return to work internships as well as just companies that are listing with them who are looking for seasons, professional women who have been out of the workforce, it's just become something that's understood that these women still have capabilities and talents and motivation. So I had started to look on that website and just broadly seeing listings for these returnships for Goldman Sachs has it, Morgan Stanley has it. I actually interviewed at Morgan Stanley, Mm -hmm. and then I ended up going to Fitch Ratings. Mm -hmm. They had fantastic credit path returnship, they call it. I was in the inaugural class. There were only eight of us, which to me, it was like winning the lottery. (laughs) Because I know that there were many people who applied for uh, the return to work internships. And from what I'm understanding, I don't know if every single one works in the same manner, but the format is broadly that you have a couple of weeks of training, bringing us up to speed on everything from how they do their credit analysis to Excel mm-hmm. and micro macroeconomics, uh, you know, the company's policies on how they look at credit ratings and such. So uh, that was really informative, interesting. It really pulled the group together. We had unbelievable speakers, and then they embed you in a group that is relevant to your prior professional mm-hmm. uh, experience. And I was embedded in the TMT, Tech, Media, and Telecom group, and I thought, great, I did a lot of media and telecom, I'll be fine. And of course, they gave me this tech company to write it a credit opinion for that I had to first, I can't even tell you how many days I was reading about this particular kind of technology to even figure out what it was, yeah. much less to try to analyze the company. But then at the end, you do a full credit committee presentation, and uh, it's it's like not published, but it's it's available, I suppose, to someone who wants to review this particular credit opinion that we interesting put together. And so, tell me a little bit about specifically is the idea that you'll go on to that's just an experience to help you kind of get to your feet under you or is there ever full-time offers given from that program there are full-time offers given from the program i did have 
uh, participants that were with me that did take on full-time roles. How many, how many of the eight would you say? I want to say that five were offered mm-hmm. roles mm-hmm. immediately, one a few months later, yep. and I was already uh, interviewing for this other position, so what I was offered wasn't really exactly where I wanted to be, mm-hmm. so I continued to interview with this uh, regional investment bank and landed there very happily. Great. And tell me a little bit about working there, um, you know, given that you're, you had so many years of experience prior to the long layoff, you kind of come back, you do this uh, one internship, which is, you know, only for a few months, and then all of a sudden, you're boom, you're back in the, <laughs> back into the grind, and you're in investment banking. And how has that been? How is the, what's it like now, kind of, after that long layoff? Is it, is it the transition tough? Or have you kind of just picked right back up? It's amazing how I feel like I snapped my finger and I felt like that was the real me again, mm-hmm. particularly when I first started at the internship and I wasn't, you know, after a couple of months of working full-time, everybody starts to feel a little bit of the wear and tear, but it really was a snap of the fingers to get back into the groove and the work is not dissimilar from what I was doing before, particularly as far as multitasking, organizing, switching gears between different types of projects and different tasks within a project, whether it's quantitative versus qualitative. Um, I did have quite a bit to learn, and I kind of joke that I have what I call millennial mentors. (laughs) I was basically put in a pool of associates that are significantly younger than me, They've been fantastic. They have really helped me get up to speed on all things technological. These are people who grew up with technology as their day-to-day, their baseline. And, of course, previously I was using you know, Excel and, and Microsoft Office Suite products. Tell me, tell me and, what, what's different. Uh, like where have you felt like there's been the, big, the, hard, the steepest learning curve that they've helped you technologically? Besides smartphones well, and apps you, and stuff I, like that. I, when I first got to, to Fitch, uh, I had never seen Outlook before, so I know that that's probably pretty funny to most people <laughs> who would be listening to okay. this. But I would say that I really got a lot of help with um, basic, you know, the file explorer, the, the whole background of how everything is organized Like online, in different file systems say. and uh, stuff? Or, different or, ways mm-hmm. to research on Google, okay. uh, certainly Excel, I've gotten much quicker. I do, can I do everything without taking my hands off of the keyboard and never using the mouse? Probably not. But uh, I also took some courses. You know, you guys kind of talk about Wall Street prep, and I mm-hmm. we use it at our firm, and Great. we have our interns use it. And I think it's absolutely fantastic, and anybody who's looking at the industry should consider, you know, doing some of the courses in there because it's really... Agreed. Helps you, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So, okay, so you've kind of gotten up to speed on the Excel portion because, as an associate, you're you're still you're managing the analyst, but you still have to kind of have the technical chops, right, to be able to check the analyst's work and kind of even manage up, right, to the VPs and MDs. So, is it something where you've you felt like you've struggled a little bit there, and you but you're kind of now hitting your stride, or is it something where it just was like a couple months of steep learning curve and it was fine. 
Well, when I <laughs> kind of funny when I first joined the firm, it's it's IB, but we also have valuation and corporate advisory mm-hmm. and the like. So there was uh, a shortfall in in staff on the valuation team, and I was sort of put in with a few other associates over there to help them with some valuations. And the modeling was where we really just had to figure things out. And you're really figuring it out pretty much from scratch, just looking at a prior year or another example. So I would say that learning the model definitely took a few months, had some challenges, but it's amazing how you can pivot from one area of finance to another, even potentially, I wouldn't say quite same as accounting to finance as finance within finance to another, but you can really, with some effort, figure out just about anything. Uh, and that's what I had to do. Certainly, I was permitted to ask questions, but there just wasn't a lot of time for that. So, mm-hmm. You're like, get to work. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, an iterative process, and now I feel much more comfortable with the with our model and, and modeling, but I had to learn it, and it's been great. That's great. And so do you feel like what's the what's the future hold for you? What do you think? Just more of the same, you know, mm-hmm. continuing to, to learn. And uh, each transaction is so different, and clients are so different. It's, it's really exciting to work in so many different industries. And in my firm, they have actually the associates involved in some of the business development. So because it's a small firm, mm-hmm. and again, we're kind of soup to nuts, uh, they need us to assist on the business development side. So that's that's a lot of fun doing some of the marketing. And um, Yeah, I so do, you want to like grow with this firm and then see where it takes you kind of thing? And then is that the, is that the idea? I think so. Yeah, that's I great. I think so. You know, you never know really what the future is going to hold. Uh, True. But it is it is a a, a very nice fit and um, and are the hours are the hours bad? No, the, it's not a bulge bracket kind of hours right. firm. It's much more reasonable. It's still still busy full time, and we still get emails any old hour and over yeah. the weekend. And sometimes you're working additional hours, but it's flexible. You have a laptop. You you know, Fair. can go home, see people, feed people dinner, and <laughs> log back in if I need to. Got it. Um, Do you feel like you're able to balance it well now? So it sounds like you're doing 50-ish hours a week or something around there. Is it? Do you feel like you're able to balance it well with the family life and all that? Your kids are old enough now where you feel like it's not too much of a strain? It's still sometimes a challenge. I, mm-hmm. I feel that if anything suffers, potentially it's more on the family side because honestly – it is, maybe it's not two full-time jobs, but it's a job and a half. Yeah, <laughs> it's tough. With, I have school-aged children, and it's busy. There's always something very particular. Somebody is, you know, looking at colleges. Another one is studying for something particular. And right. it's just, it's hard to manage everything, but you just, you do it. It's a, it's a team effort. Great. Um, and so tell me, what would you, any specific advice before we call the pod, any sp- specific as you'd give yourself, kind of your, your younger self or, you know, prior to your, your break or your, or um, even in undergrad? Well, I think one of the most important things is to really try to learn certain skills 
on your own and to not only expect that you'll learn them on the job. You're not just because you're out of school doesn't mean that you're you're done learning and especially I would say maybe it's a little different now. There's so much available to people online to prepare themselves and to uh, mm -hmm. add to their knowledge that I really would encourage people to keep learning and definitely work on getting whatever professional credentials are relevant for your career. Mm -hmm. um, and tell me, do you, we had talked, we had mentioned earlier before we started recording about um, you had done, you do a lot of the intern interviews and yeah. <laughs> there was, there's something you told me, you want to cover that? You said, you said a lot of people aren't prepared or you're surprised people come in and aren't prepared. How would you suggest people come into these intern, internship interviews? How could they make a better impression? Okay. Well, we don't actually have analysts. We rely completely on interns who are college and sometimes MBA students. Mm -hmm. And I find that they often don't really have the solid accounting and IB knowledge as far as the quantitative items and those questions are really available everywhere mm -hmm. online. You really should know your basics and it's become not quite baseline but if you've done a, an online modeling course like Wall Street Prep, which we have all of our analysts do, excuse me, interns do when they start. Mm -hmm. um, we all as associates did it. I did something completely different before I even started interviewing. I think that people really need to understand the modeling, be able to talk their way through financial statements, understand how the statements flow into each other, and just be better prepared for what you should expect to be asked in an IB interview yeah. and really have a good ability to say, here's the skills I have from XYZ job and this is why they're directly applicable to financial modeling and statement analysis. It's um, kind of tying, weaving the story together better um, rather than just... Weaving the story together much better, yes. Yeah. You really need to know, you need to know the financial statements basically. Yeah, I agree. Do you feel like this is something often I advise young students and interns or people trying to break into good internships? Do you feel like prepping stories beforehand, so like leadership stories or struggle stories of struggle, prepping those beforehand help as well? I think it's absolutely crucial. And I do feel like the students do have a fairly decent um, hold and handle on that. Mm -hmm. They, I'm seeing a lot more young people who are already in their careers a year or two and now want to pivot and are willing to just put that aside and take an internship, which is very modestly paid, just to try to get the experience so that they can try to head over towards investment banking. And some are definitely much better prepared than others, but surely you need to have your elevator speech, you need to know your resume very well. Don't ever put anything on your resume that you can't Elaborate explain or <laughs> answer to. <laughs> I've seen that, and you just feel awful for the person because there's always going to be somebody who's going to really ream them on that. Yeah, um, It's good to be able to keep your cool, so so know, know what you need to say and have your stories, your narratives 
mapped out. And do you think just like doing mock interviews helps? How did you prep or how did you get ready for your own? Uh, I find that it's great to just type out what you want to say and practice it. You can practice it to yourself. You Mm -hmm. can video yourself. You can just record yourself. You can practice with classmate, a parent, someone from maybe your school uh, career office, anything that they have. I know that there are a lot of on-campus clubs now Mm -hmm. that are very much geared towards these different professions and go through things like what to expect for the interview. Keep your LinkedIn updated. Put a nice professional picture of yourself on there. You know, it's better to have something than nothing, but don't have a cute picture of yourself. Have a headshot (laughs) kind of picture. Got it. Fair. Fair advice. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. This has been great. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time.